I'm in no position to criticize a saint and an evangelist. But I got lost four times during that reading. Was I the only one? There's a lot in there. Three pages, John. He must have wanted so badly to communicate this encounter. This is the longest dialogue encounter that we have between Jesus and anyone in the Gospels. So to John, it must have been really, really, really important. There are details in here. There's layers of theology. and whew, It's a preacher's nightmare. Because <laughs> there's so much. It's worth meditating on. But this encounter between the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman and Jesus, is extraordinary. And it must have been when, when Jesus was recounting it and John was writing it down. I need to get it all in there. It's extraordinary. Their chance encounter at a well in Samaria. I'm not sure why, <laughs> but this story reminds me of the time that I had a chance encounter in Rome with Mark Wahlberg. Again, I have no idea why God put this on my heart, but let's just run with it, okay? Because... We got an hour less of sleep, so let's just see what we can do. There I was. I was working in Rome, as some of you know, and uh, work had gotten off. It was a hot day in late July, and I got home from my office job and needed to go to confession. And my parish church was right next to where I lived, and so I, that's where I went to confession. Just happened to house Philip and little James, called Dodici Apostoli. It was an average hot July evening, and so I threw on a white tattered shirt and some jeans, a little incognito, and headed to go have my confession at my parish church. And on my way back, I won't tell you what I talked about, on my way back, fast forward, I'm walking by my favorite restaurant, uh, Abruzzi. Some of you have been over know it has the best carbonara in the universe, and I noticed they had set up a table with particular stemware that wasn't their usual, so I know, you Italians are up to something. And so I asked them, I said, what do we got going on? They said, ah, there's some actor coming tonight. I'm like, oh, no-name Italian actor, what do I care? Well, I said, I'll ask. Oh, and he said, oh, and he's American. Said, okay, now I'm interested. I said, well, who is it? He said, um, I don't know what um, Wahlberg. I'm like, what? Did you say Wahlberg? And I got giddy. Because he's Catholic. I know that the bar is really low for being Catholics in Hollywood. So, you know, we'll work with what we got, right? And I get all excited. And then I, because he's a Catholic, and so I know he had this great encounter with this priest out in Boston. And I'm thinking, great, here I am, a priest, and I hear he's going to be coming. So I'm just going to hang out for a little while, maybe get invited to dinner, which didn't happen. And then I realized, I'm in a tattered t-shirt and blue jeans. He's not going to believe me. What kind of pathetic priest are you? And then he showed up. I thought maybe I could run home and throw my blacks on, you know, tidy up a little for Mark. Nope. Here he comes pulling up. He's in the driver's seat, black van. Cars are honking at him. He's yelling back at him. It's like he's in Boston again. Fits right in in downtown Rome. And he gets out and his whole entourage of guys with some silver briefcase, Lord knows what was in it. And they come walking up, and I'm thinking, ah, he might he won't even notice me, but 
this guy's a big deal. That, he happened that year to be finishing the movie uh, All the Money in the World, which is a fascinating little film on uh, John Giddy Jr. Happened to be the highest grossing actor that year. And I'm thinking, this, is a big, this guy's a big deal. And here I am, looking pathetic. And he walked up, and I thought, I'm just going to go for it. And I said, hey, Mark, you know, I'm Father Eli. And I thought he'd say, don't look like it. But he didn't miss a beat. He said, oh, you're a priest? He said, yeah, I work here at the Vatican. I live right around the corner. He said, this is our favorite restaurant. He says, I know my priest friend recommended it. Came here a couple nights ago. We're leaving tomorrow, and I had one more stop here for the carbonara and whatever else. I said, cool, and he just stayed there. Had all the time in the world. We chatted for minutes. Chatted for minutes. And I wanted just to communicate one thing. I wanted to say, Mark, I really want to thank you. I know it's not easy, but you're a witness in a very difficult and dark space. And so I started to thank him, and he said, looked at his entourage of his childhood buddies, and I said, you know, you're doing a great job. Just keep preaching the gospel and tell, speaking positively about the church. And he says, yeah, I know. I'm doing what I can. I'm working on these guys, though. And they're like, hey, come on, Mark. Come on, because they don't go to Mass. But he said, I'm working on them. Good. Trying to get his buddies back in relationship with Jesus. And I just said, I just want to thank you. Uh, keep doing it. And then he stopped dead in his tracks. Look me in the eyes. And he said, no, Father, thank you. And a tear welled up. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg just thanked me? And he said, thank you for being a priest. He said, I can't do any of this without you. And I froze. <laughs> Wanted to get a selfie, but it wasn't the moment. Because it was this beautiful encounter where I was just wanting to thank him. And I got thanked. I got more out of that encounter than I had ever imagined. And there was this beautiful exchange of gratitude. There was this beautiful exchange of Jesus, is what it was. Now I'm going to try and connect that to the gospel. There was a beautiful exchange between the Samaritan woman and Jesus. And they both left in joy. The Samaritan woman was from Samaria. They were half-breeds like me. They followed the Jewish religion, but they had, had foreign blood, Babylonian blood inserted, and so the traditional Jews said, you're not good enough. But she wanted the Messiah. She wanted Jesus. But she wasn't good enough. They would avoid Samaria. She had no business talking to him at the well. That's why she went at noon, because not only was she an outsider had no business talking to Jesus, but also she was ashamed of whatever was going on in her life, maybe those five husbands and whatever else, that she had to go to the well at noon, the hottest time of day. All the other ladies would go early in the morning when it was nice and cool so they could fill up their jugs. She waited till the hottest time of day because she was ashamed. She was a sinner and a half-breed. And who did she meet? Jesus the Messiah. And they have a conversation. And he starts talking to her. And something deep moves in her heart. And she realizes he knows everything about me. I don't need to be afraid of this man. 
It doesn't matter that I'm a Samaritan, a half-breed, a loser. It doesn't matter that I'm filled with shame. He's come to rescue me. So in the scenario between Mark and me, I'm the loser. He has no business talking to me. Who am I? If I felt I had no business talking to Mark Wahlberg, what business do I think I have talking to Jesus Christ? He's far greater. But that's the whole point. Jesus says, break down those barriers. I don't care if you're a half-breed. I don't care how much shame you carry around. I came to lift it. I came to meet you and to talk with you and to release you from your burdens. This account of the woman at the well is extraordinary because it's a little bit of us. She was thirsty and filled with shame. If any of you have ever thirsted, or if you're thirsting right now, then it's for you. If any of you are ashamed, ever have been, or are right now, then this is for you and me. I was ashamed to be dressed like a bum. Didn't matter to Mark. This woman was so ashamed she couldn't go to the well with all the other ladies. Who knows what she was carrying? Jesus said, not too much for me. And he met her in her need. She was thirsty. And he met her in her shame, and he took it away. When she realized he knows everything already. Of what should I be afraid? To approach him in the most unassuming of places and times and to have a beautiful little conversation. That, folks, is what we call prayer. That is what happens back there in those little boxes. That's our well. I'm thirsty, Jesus, and I'm ashamed because I'm a sinner and a half-breed. Come on in. Let's have a chat. I already know what you need. I already know what you've done. I want to feed you and free you rescue you. Come to me. He knows. What was her response when he met the person, the only one who knew everything about her, who cared more than anyone ever had, and who could satisfy her thirst that was driving her nuts? What was her response? Joy. And she couldn't help but go tell everyone. And here she was, that that, that pathetic woman and now she's singing his praises and her joy was so real that what happened in the gospel all these other half-breed losers right I want some of that and they started believing because of her testimony of joy and truth Jesus and they start believing and then they go to him And then they start believing because then they met him. This encounter in Samaria, which shouldn't have happened, is what Jesus wants to do for you and for me every day. Give me your thirst. Give me your hunger. Let me do it for you. But you got to tell me. I already know. But you got to tell me. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. For what? Let me do it. I'm ashamed of this thing from 10, 15 years ago. Can I rescue you from that bondage? Yes, please. But we got to tell him and not keep it all balled up. And what's more extraordinary, perhaps, than her joy after meeting him 
is his joy. He said, doing the Father's will is the food that sustains me. The Father's will is not to come and judge us and to condemn those of us who don't quite cut it. The Father's will is to bring his mercy and his freedom to his beloved sons and daughters. And when Jesus gets to do that, there is extreme joy. And we priests in the confessional experience it. Extreme joy from God the Father when you walk in and walk out. It's so real. It's why we must go there and must meet him daily in our prayer. The result is a joyful heart in me and a joyful heart in Jesus. And that's a good thing because hell can't stop that. Joy in my heart, joy in the heart of Jesus, look out world. But if we're not meeting him in our need, in our shame, nothing happens. So let's go to the well of our prayer. Let's go to the well of the confessional, hungry, thirsty, shamed. Meet him and give it all to him, and he delights in that encounter. That's part one of the homily. Speaking of confession, and please go. We love it when you do. Please go if you haven't in a while. Please go if you have in a while. Lent's a good time. It's an act of worship to walk into that box or to come into the office and meet with us. Part two is just a quick commercial. You've probably heard that the sacrament of confession will have a little change. Maybe some of you have heard this coming soon to be in effect by Divine Mercy Sunday. It's a small thing. So in order to speed up the lines starting Divine Mercy Sunday, you'll be asked to go to confession standing on your head. Good, we still got a few people with me. Good. No, there's a few words that are going to change. We'll have it in the bulletin next weekend. So if you've heard something about confession changing, it's so small, you might not even notice. But we're going to give it to you anyway, the indications. A few words on our part, not on yours. You keep doing what you're doing. We'll give you help to make a good confession. That's happening. Okay, we'll keep you informed. Lastly, this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for filling out the music survey. We've got a tremendous amount of good information. We're going to use everything that we can. We're going to keep you informed. One of the fruits of that that's already happening is a children's choir. Because who's more angelic than our children? So if the kindergartner and up, you want your kids to be a part of the choir, contact the office. We want to hear those beautiful voices from up there, and then we're going to bring them down for, the, for a homily, and we're going to preach to them on occasion. Um, because we found out that when we, if you can preach to the kids, the adults get more out of it than when I'm up here rambling. So thank you for your, your responses. Children's Choir is coming. Thank you for your generous response to Capital Campaign 2022. We've done a lot of improvements, little subtle improvements. One of them being all of our entrances have been repaired. And I just paid the gas bill this month. Over $400 in savings. Which means that the priests get to go to Pirogue more often. No, we're not going to use it. It's going in the bank. We're saving money. We're making improvements. Thank you for your generosity. And we improved the sound. Are we doing better back there? Thumbs up if, if you can hear me. And it's better? We're going to keep going. If there are any issues, talk to me. We want to make sure we're not going to stop till this sound thing is finished. But we're in a concrete Velveeta box, so it's not easy. A beautiful one, but it's concrete. 
Let us know if there are issues, but thank you. And last but not least, thank you in advance for your generosity to the next Campaign 23. We're building bathrooms and doing some fun evangelization stuff. We'll tell you more about it, but those bathrooms are going to be family-friendly, have littles, little toilets for littles, lower sinks for me, uh, and a lot of other things. So we're thinking about you and your families. Thank you in advance for your generosity. We need your support. And go to confession. We're the Samaritan woman undeserving, shamed, full of shame, full of need. Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you living water. You will never thirst again after you meet me. And it makes him filled with joy and us too. So have a good confession this Lent. God bless you.